Welcome to For the Quantum Grammar Shoot podcast. I'm your host, Colin Jason Heifer Matthew Colin Glass. I'm speaking with you using colloquial, plain, simple English for the ease of the communication. There's a bracket at the beginning of the podcast and a bracket at the end so that I can speak with the ease in the plain English language. Now, this is a podcast of opinion. It's a podcast of history, my story, in connection with my experiences in and around the technology known as correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar, i.e. quantum grammar, the technology that was brought into the public many, many years ago by colon Russell hyphen J colon Gould and colon David hyphen Wayne colon Miller. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you find value in it. going to kick off the first show of the new season with a discussion about logic and my theory that what we will call the powers that be, uh, that they are methodically eradicating logic from the neurological pathways of the people, or they're trying to. Whether they are or they're not, well, it's evident to me that it's working in many cases, but, you know, in some cases it's not. I think that this began way back around the industrial, when the Industrial Revolution began. I have read, I can't certify this, but I have read in several different accounts that way back when, in the 1800s, late 1800s or so, when everyone went to school, usually in one schoolhouse with all different grades, that a method, a method of teaching and learning was used called the trivium method, which encompassed grammar, uh, logic, and rhetoric. And once the student grasped these three elements, then they had the tools at their disposal to learn any subject that they wanted to or that they put their mind to because the teacher gave them the tools with which to learn rather than just having them remember things by rote, you know, just memorize something and then study for the test and then pass the test and then you forget what's on the test. But the trivium, you remembered it through performances and it gave you tools to use for the rest of your life. I think what happened back around the time when the Industrial Revolution started and people started having to work, you know, the, the, the system needed more workers uh, who didn't question anything and so on and so forth, that they gradually took the logic out of the curriculum and just left the grammar and the rhetoric, which basically led to a curriculum of presumption, assumption, an opinion with nothing based on any foundation. Now, of course, the grammar, as we learned through uh, Colin Russell, hyphen J, Colin Gould, and Colin David, Evelyn, Colin Miller, the, the language was bastardized and uh, corrupted. Now, wh- whether that's true or not, I mean, I, I see elements of it when I study par se. I do see elements of that. Um, 
But as far as correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar itself, I have never really even heard where it came from. I don't know if it's been around for many, many, many years. I don't know if it just came out recently. I have no idea. I just know that Colin David and Colin Russell brought it to the public many years ago and began teaching it and training people in it. Um, I know that Colin David claimed to have broke the math interface on grammar, so on and so forth. I personally have never heard Colin Russell say that he helped develop it or that he created it. I know that he is the copyright copy claim holder of it. Uh, well, he claims to be copyright copy claim holder of it, but I've never heard any claim of creation from him. And I don't think I've ever heard Colin David say that he created it either just that he broke the math interface. So that's a little sketchy there uh, with my opinion. And when I say sketchy, I don't mean underhanded or anything. I just mean it's not clear to me. It's very muddy as to where the nativity origins of quantum grammar come from. So to get back on track. So around, also around that same time, they began introducing clocks into the system. And I read some fantastic, fascinating accounts of how clocks were introduced. They were marketed as the thing to have, you know, wristwatches and such. And I also read that the government actually shipped out uh, clocks free of charge to each household that they could that had a post office box there. Uh, a mailbox so that every household would have a clock basically so that everyone could be on time for work and then they established their time zones and so on and so forth and thus began you know the perpetual uh, nine to five work week which isn't even a nine to five work week anymore as everyone knows there's less vacation and more hours less time at home more stress more bills so on and so forth on down the line that's neither here nor there with what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that the clock was introduced uh, and that goes along with and is tied into uh, the Vatican banking and the uh, interest. That's why there's a, you know, well, Big Ben and things like that. So these things were introduced at the same time logic was being taken out of the curriculum. So it was a gradual process of people not having that basis with which to start with the grammar logic and rhetoric they just had the grammar and the rhetoric and then logic became something of a specialized subject that was learned in college in university that you had to pay extra for and some people got it and some people didn't but in the same sense because of the fiction grammar that was being used um, logic was just basically used to strengthen an argument because when there are no facts there's going to be an argument when there's just opinions there's going to be argument when you have things that you cannot certify that you cannot prove there's going to be an argument that's why you know i was taught from an early age never bring up politics or religion because it's all based on opinion there are no facts there no one can possibly certify those things at least not to my knowledge and this is also based on 
the taking the logic out. Now, what I did was I personally, I studied the trivium method. And I must thank my good friend, Dave, you know who you are, for introducing that to me. And I studied it intently for two years. And I did the whole thing. I would go out and purposely get into internet arguments with people and use, <laughs> and use grammar, and I'm sorry, and use logic and logical fallacies and things like that to try and win arguments. And I, I also must give a shout out to my brother, good brother, longtime brother and friend, Dennis, who actually introduced me to logic in the study of logic back in 1995. So those two men were pivotal, pivotal in my uh, development of logic studies. So what I did was I took the grammar that I learned when I discovered quantum grammar, I took the grammar from the trivium, threw it out, and inserted quantum grammar in its place, then applied the logic, then the rhetoric, which all falls into, if you learn these things, then you have authority over yourself, your vessel, because you have the knowledge. And when you have the rhetoric, that means that you can convey that knowledge to another individual. You can convey closure to them. Uh, why you're doing the things you're doing, why you're banking the syntax values that you're banking, what the finite means of your terms and conditions are. And that's where the trivium method came in. And the point I'm making, I guess, is that that is not in the school system. It's been taken out. It's been out for since they started taking out at the early uh, 1900s and it's gone. And I think that is why we find such an avoidance of logic in today's uh, thinking, in today's society. I'm going to talk about a few examples of this voidance of logic and voidance of critical thinking in today's society. Now, we'll just take, for example, um, the mask thing. People will wear a mask just because they're told to, just because maybe it's the easiest thing to do. They don't want trouble. They don't want problems. And if everyone else is wearing a mask, maybe they don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. They don't want to give anyone any grief. They certainly don't want to be looked at as a weirdo because they're not wearing a mask. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so in any case, they use many logical fallacies to get this condition of state into the minds of the people. One of them, of course, the strongest one is the appeal to authority. Fear, meaning the governor makes an order, issues an executive order, whatever it is that you have to wear a mask, or there will be penalties, so on and so forth. Well, that's appeal to authority, that's fear. Why do I have to wear a mask? Because the governor said so. Oh, okay. Why do I have to clean my room? Because I'm your dad and I said so, you know, so on and so forth, this type of logic. Another one would be appeal to emotion. Why do I have to wear a mask? Don't be selfish, man. Don't you love your fellow mankind? Don't you? It's not the mask isn't for you. It's for me. It's to keep me safe. 
Why are you so selfish? Just wear a mask. So on and so forth. These are logical fallacies. And they're being exercised at, at full tilt by the propaganda machine to get people to wear masks. I was unsure of it at first, uh, months ago when this started happening. But I knew it was a load of crap when I went through four different airports uh, flying to Tennessee and back. And I saw this quote-unquote so-called safety precautions that were being used by the airport security that they required masks and they also required you to social distance six feet from other people. Both things were required. But yet when you got on an airplane, you were packed in like a sar like sardines with other individuals shoulder to shoulder. Some of them wear a mask. Some, some of them had their, you know, their nose over the mask and the masks were not on properly. And if this was a serious threat, if this was a serious life or death issue, this would not be happening. This would not be tolerated. This would not be allowed. It would be much more strict. But it wasn't. Same thing with walking into a restaurant. You have to wear a mask when you enter a restaurant or you have to give your name and address when you enter a restaurant. Yet you can sit down at a table two feet away and take it off and eat. Where's the logic? There is no logic. It's been eradicated and it's continuing to be eradicated uh, via these election stories that are going on. You can see it all. One can see it all around if one chooses to look and use those tools at their disposal, like the grammar, the logic, and the rhetoric, and see what's going on. It's the same with uh, public announcements from political figures or celebrities. You can see political figures saying this and that about other political figures. You can hear them slandering other political figures and saying, well, this guy did this, this, and that in this country and took this amount of money from that and their son did this and blah, blah, blah. And then because of what we call protagonist-centered morality, the followers of that particular politician will believe what the politician says just based upon the fact that those words are coming out of their mouths. It's what I would call a past tense trust based on a belief, an assumption. And it runs rampant because people will then take that and run with it and spread it like propaganda all over social media. Yeah, my favorite politician said this, this, and that's a fact. And it's the same thing goes on in, unfortunately, in the quantum grammar community where you will see certain well-known figures come out and slander other people and make claims with no proof, no evidence, no closure, just the fact that they're saying it. Or they'll make fantastical claims about things that they did or are going to do, but there's never any proof of it. And they don't offer any proof of it. And this is what I'm talking about when it's a complete voidance of logic. This is, there are two types of trust counts, past tense trust count and 
uh, now space trust count. The now space trust count uh, commands a performance of maintaining the terms and conditions of that trust constantly in a continuum with the now space. The past tense trust is contingent upon some kind of belief or trust that was established in the past. And no matter how many times the, the contract parties violate the trust, they, they are still permitted to continue and participate in the trust because the, the other contract parties choose to honor the past tense trust rather than what's happening right now. And the only, let's see, an analogy of that would be perhaps a married couple uh, they get married, and then uh, five years on down the road, one of the married couple goes out and cheats on the other one, and but they remain married because they are honoring a past tense trust that was established, rather than breaking bulk with the contract because the terms and conditions were broken. Past tense trust versus now space trust. And what I'm seeing nowadays is just a total eradication of logic, especially in social media where you see these groups called Q or, or X or whatever, whatever they are. And it's like they're just throwing poop on a wall to see what sticks. And then these people come out and they grab onto the poop that... Uh, <laughs> that resonates with them. And then they take it in as facts saying, Oh, you got to trust the plan and uh, you can't stop what's coming and where we go, one, we go all. And then they, they promulgate these things as facts, as things that are going to happen when there is no certification. How can anyone possibly know what is going to happen? And on top of that, what is what is the trust count with someone who does not identify or credential themselves? If you have someone out there anonymously making claims, where is the trust count with that individual? That's the first red flag for me. If I see someone who will not show their face, will not give their full correct name, is not willing to jump up on the geometric level playing field of contract with me, well, then it's no contract and uh, we have nothing further to discuss. Any of you out there are interested in the trivium method, you can just punch it into Google, trivium method, and I'm sure a few different websites are going to pop up. And they're pretty co comprehensive and complete websites with direction as to how to get all the materials that you need to study those things and learn those things. Because once you learn them, you can take those tools, as I mentioned earlier, and learn any subject any skill, anything you want, you can do it yourself without having to go to school for it or anything like that. You will know how to do it when you learn these three things. And then after you get beyond that, there's the quadrivium, but that's another, uh, that's another domain entirely. 
As you know, or may not know, my name is Colin Jason Knife and Matthew Colin Glass. I am a correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar tutor. I teach quantum grammar via my public YouTube channel, www.youtube.com forward slash Jason Matthew Glass, and also via confidential workshops. Uh, you can apply for those through my email, jasonmatthewg17 at gmail.com, which, by the way, is a confidential, private, contract, communication vessel. Everything is contract. My terms and conditions for my communication vessel are that I maintain a position of peace and neutrality, the performance of the balance of the honor and the grace, and the maintenance of the rule one, rule equal. If you're okay with all that, you can go ahead and request to board my vessel. I'd be more than happy to welcome you in as long as you provide your full correct name and state what it is you're there for. And then we can move forward with that in a very honorable and graceful manner. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time.